0: Good morning. How are we doing? We're doing good? All right, you ready for some math? Does that get you excited? Yeah, a few people. Math was over after high school. Is that what you said? Wow, that's amazing. That's that's very sad. That's very, very sad. I was your teacher? That's exciting. Did y'all know I had him in class? And is Leo still in here? I had Leo as a a student? That's all right. Do you remember anything you, you learned? Say again? You remember the Pythagorean theorem? I didn't teach you that, but that's cool. I'm glad you remember that. Okay, all right. I'll take credit for it, but uh, I don't think so. But that's all right. That's cool. Well, it's been a long time since I've been teaching math, so if you'll humor me a little bit, uh, I want to talk about indirect relationships. Suck the air right out of the room. That's fantastic. All right, so let's talk about what... Yeah, it did. It did. All right. How about direct relationships? Do you know what a direct relationship is? Yeah. Okay. That's, 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 that's pretty good. That, it's, it is similar to that. Yes. So I'll give you an example of a direct relationship. Okay. That's when one quantity increases, the other one does too. All right. So I bet you could think of one. Anybody work hourly in here? The more hours you work, the more, the more money you make. That's called a direct relationship. As one increases, the other one Increases. Okay. We can probably think of some other direct relationships. How about um, the number of hours you work out and the, your muscle mass? The more hours you work out, the more muscle mass you may have. That's a direct relationship. How about um, the more, or where did I say that one? How about the, um, okay. All right. The more food you eat, the more you'll weigh. That's a good direct relationship, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't think they like that one as much. How about the more hours you're in the sun, the darker your skin may get? All right, that's one. All right, so what would an indirect relationship be? Or actually not indirect, let's go with inverse. That's what I meant to say, an inverse relationship. What's an inverse relationship? As one increases, the other one decreases, all right? I'll give you one. Um, the number of kids you have and the amount of money you have. That's a, an inverse relationship. I have another one with kids, all right, for the married folks in the room, all right? The number, the number of, she doesn't know the sermon, but she already knows me. The number of kids you have and the amount of fun you have with your spouse. That's an inverse relationship, isn't it, right? Yes, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're blessed, all right? That's fantastic. Um, how, about, um, how about the shorter the videos are the amount of time you spend watching them. Would you think that that's a direct or inverse relationship? Inverse. I think it's inverse now, right? It seems to be that the, sh- the videos have gotten shorter, but somehow we watch a lot more of them, don't we? And we end up wasting more time. Have y'all noticed that? Yes. Uh, listen, I don't have TikTok on purpose, but other people have figured out a way to do this. You have reels, right? You have all these different ways that you can consume a lot of time, I was going to say information. There's very little information on those things, right? I was told that there are people that their number one source of news is TikTok. Now that's amazing to me. That means the way that they're interpreting the world is in very bite-sized portions. And if it gets too long, they're like, okay, forget, swipe up <laughs> and just move on, right? That makes, that makes me feel bad, swipe up. Oh, there's a cat talking, that's, I like that one. And actually, that's the truth. So my wife and I, I don't know what, what the other people, married people in the room, what y'all do. Here's the text messages we send each other. We send each other clips of animals talking. Have y'all seen these videos? Where, and it's always like a cat slapping somebody else. There was one the other day when he slapped one and he called him Daryl. And I almost sent it to you because it was so great. It was like, shut up, Daryl. And he slapped him. That's what we send each other. That's the, that's the amount of time that we're wasting. Well, I wanna talk to you about an inverse relationship that I think is very, very important. Okay. Now Daryl is going through the gospel of John. All right. And I'm, I'm sticking with that. He's coming to, I mean, he's, well, I should say this. He's doing major themes on Sunday morning, big topics from the gospel of John. He spent a lot of time in the prologue, very important passage, the beginning of John and what it means um, to who Jesus is, it, the Christology, that's the, the who Jesus is study of who Jesus is in John. And especially in the Prologue, is like so important. That's why he's taking his time on that. And then on Wednesdays, I hope you'll show up to that because he's spending an hour and he's going verse by verse and really, really diving into John. Well, it's my turn to be up here, but I don't want to come away from John. So I'm going to look at where he's coming to next. And that is John the Baptist. And so I, I'm going to do something that we don't, Always do. I need to read a lot of scripture, and then I want to go and unpack it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe put your phone away, um, or if you want to follow along on your U version Bible app, that's fine. But we're going to read a lot of scripture, and then we're going to talk about a basic inverse relationship. And the basic inverse relationship is is actually where we're going to end. It'll be the last verse. It'll be the last thing that John the Baptist says in the Gospel of John. And it is the most impactful for us. So if you will come with me, we will be in the gospel of John. We're actually gonna start right back in verse one. We're gonna go through the prologue again because that naturally goes into John the Baptist. So if you will join me, John one, I'm gonna read one, one through 37, and then we're gonna jump over to John chapter three for a few verses. Now, if you're like me, it's hard to do two things at once. So you may wanna just listen or just read. I'll leave that up to you. Today, I'll be reading out of the NIV. It may be up there, it may not. Here we go. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. You know what, we're gonna pause. Let's, let's invite the Lord to, to lead us here because he has much more important things to say than I have to say. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that your spirit be with us now, um, that, uh, that he is the one that is speaking and that he um, is, is molding us and that he is helping us to... To become less so that you might be greater in our lives. We pray for the kids upstairs, that they're having a great time and that they're learning and that they too um, are falling in love with you and realizing their plan or your plan for them in their lives. That is our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Let's jump into this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light Verse 14, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his holiness, that is Jesus's holiness, he, we all have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Verse 19, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders came I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. We continue verse 29. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Verse 35, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him, say this, they follow Jesus. And we're going to jump back because John's going to exit for a second. He's going to come back. We're going to go to chapter three, verses 22. And we're going to read to 30. Again, we're in John 3, 22 through 30. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now Jesus, no, I'm sorry. Now John also was baptized at non near Sylim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and asked him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Verse 27, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist is in all the gospels. Uh, His testimony is one that is, it's very important. Some of you know uh, the story of John the Baptist. I'm not going to go through all of that. I want to focus on the testimony here in John, but we're going to focus really on that last statement. He said in verse 30, and again, this is the last time we're going to have John speak in uh, in the scriptures. What follows is, it very well could be John elaborating. We're not sure, but most likely it ends in verse 30 with, with his testimony. He says, he must become greater. I must become less. And there's that inverse relationship. And my... My encouragement to us is that our call, all of us have the same general call. We may have different specific calls, right? But there's a general calling on all of our lives. And that is, is that Jesus must be a great part of our life, the greatest part of our life. Thus, we must become less. So I want to talk about becoming less today. I'm going to talk about five things. In fact, they may be up there. I think it's the next thing if you'll go to that. Yeah, here they are, becoming less. Here's what we're gonna look at today. Believe in Jesus, humble yourself, know the word, proclaim the gospel, find, joy and submission. These are the five things we get from John, the, the uh, disciples' account of John the baptizer. Two different people. The gospel is written by John and there's a portion about John the baptizer that we wanna talk about. And what we're gonna get from him are those five things. And we're gonna end with a challenge. All right? So I hope you stick with me. We're going to go through this relatively quickly, and then we're going to get to our challenge. All right? So what can we learn from John the Baptist about becoming less? And that's our basic argument, is that it's an inverse relationship. And if you don't believe me, I just want you to think about your time, your money, your focus, okay? All the things that you do, maybe at work or at home. And if you're going to give Christ the largest portion of your life with your time, focus, money, all that you are, it is by necessity that you become less. Would you agree or disagree with that? I hope you would agree with that. And if you disagree with it, you're welcome to, but I would like to know how your math works out in your life, okay? So how do we become less so that indeed Jesus is greater in our lives? So the first thing, believe in Jesus. We're gonna go back and look at this passage that we just read and go bit by bit here. Let's go back to John, the gospel of John, chapter one, and look at 15. There's a little uh, parenthetical statement. If your Bible may even put it in parentheses, okay? And it says, John testified, this is John the baptizer, testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because... He was before me. It's a very interesting, almost weird statement. Now remember, who is John the baptizer? This is someone who is outside the city of Jerusalem. We could call it the wilderness if we want to. He's dressed in a very unique way. He's eating interesting things, bugs, all right? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting diet. I bet we could have an inverse relationship there, all right, with how many bugs you eat and, and just the satisfaction in your life. But he would be out in the wilderness and his sole focus was on people's relationship with God, specifically them repenting of their sins. That was his basic message, that they need to repent. So they would baptize, he would baptize them in a body of water so that they would repent, okay? But some of you know your gospels pretty well. Who was born first, John the Baptist or Jesus? John the Baptist was born first, right? How do we know that? Well, a couple of things. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter one. You don't have to go there. I'll just read it. It says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Who's the angel it's talking here? Gabriel, yeah. And who's he talking to? Mary. And he says, so the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old, in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Elizabeth was already six months pregnant, and Mary was not carrying baby Jesus yet. She was about to. She had not been overshadowed yet by the Spirit of God, Luke tells us. So John is born first. So it's weird when he says, No, they they took it down. But when he says in verse 15, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. What does he mean before me? He's making a profound statement. And he's saying that this Jesus has come, come before him in time and in importance. Now there's only one way that Jesus could come before him in time if he was indeed born after him. What's the only way? To acknowledge that he is in fact more than just a man, that he is in fact God. Now, that's a profound statement that John the Baptist is making. And he's also saying, he's more important than me. So becoming less starts with first belief in Jesus. And we see that John clearly believes in Jesus. He says, he has surpassed me. He also calls him later, what? The lamb of God. He has clear faith in Jesus. And we really can't go anywhere else with anybody in this room about making Jesus a larger part in your life by you becoming less if you don't have a relationship with Jesus that's predicated, that's built on your faith. Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he was? Do you believe in the Jesus that this gospel proclaims? Do we believe in Jesus that he is the perfect God-man as Daryl has spent so much time and energy to try to convey to us that he is the God-man, completely God and completely man. If you believe that, then that's, that's that first step It's an important step, maybe the biggest step, but one of many on your journey to becoming the man and woman God wants you to be. Do you believe? So the first part about becoming less that we get from John the Baptist is we have to believe who Jesus is. The second thing is humility, to humble yourself. So first is believe in who? Jesus. And the second is humble yourself. Very good. Humble yourself. So let's look at John 1 and let's look at 19 and we're gonna read through 21 and then skip to 26. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now, why are they sending something to him? Because John the baptizer is becoming very popular. People are drawn to his message. I don't know if they're drawn to his lifestyle, but they like what he has to say. He's convicting them of their sin. They want to come back to God. They want to renew their faith in God. So there's a lot of people coming out to him. The religious leaders, their business model is getting threatened. I mean, they're They're nice, fancy, ornate robes. They're in the temple courts in Jerusalem. People are going outside into the wilderness. Why? So they send people to inquire who this John the Baptist is. They asked him, uh, and he said, I will confess freely, or it says he confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. what are they talking about there? Let's skip ahead to 26. I will baptize with water, John replies, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to to, uh, untie. Now, here's what's interesting. Those of you who know your scriptures know, in fact, that John the baptizer is the Elijah to come. Now, he's not actually Elijah reincarnated. That's not where we're getting that. Why did they ask him if he's Elijah? Well, you know this, two reasons. One, Elijah never what? died, he was taken up in a whirlwind, right? And then secondly, if we go to Malachi 4, 5, this is the last of our Old Testament prophets. If you look at your Old Testament Bible, it'll be your last book of the Old Testament. And then we have what's called the silent period. God is still at work, but we don't have any any prophetic word passed down to us during that about 400, gap, 400 year gap between Malachi and John the baptizer. And the last thing that Malachi says in chapter 4, 5, He says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. I'll I'll read that again. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So they were expecting this Elijah figure. Some actually thought it would actually be Elijah to come back. So we've got that. And then if we go back to Luke, Luke 117, listen to this. And this is um, uh, the angel talking to Elizabeth. The old barren woman who um, is going to have John the Baptizer. This is what the angel says. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Right there, the angel is telling John the Baptizer's mom, he will come like Elijah. Ah, but it gets better. In Matthew, what does Jesus tell us about John the baptizer? For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So we have what some people might think is a problem. They ask John the baptizer, are you Elijah? And he says, no. Well, is John lying? Was he actually Elijah? No, but I I think there's more going on here. I think that John the baptizer was so humble, he did not want had to have anything to do with that title. Guys, they looked at Elijah as, as the great prophet, maybe the exemplar of the prophets. They'd have Moses and they'd probably say Elijah. And so when they ask him, are you Elijah? He's like, no. And then he follows up by saying, there's one that's coming that will do more than me whose sandal I'm not even worthy to what? which means he's not even worthy to be this man's servant. So you want to become less? We can learn from John the Baptist. We can humble ourselves. He was that person that was coming in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the Lord. We know that, but he didn't want to have any title. By the way, when they asked him, are you the prophet? They were going back to Deuteronomy when Moses was talking about someone, if you, if you read, I believe, Deuteronomy 18, someone who come as Moses. Well, Who is that person that came as Moses to tell the people the truth, to convict them of their sin, to be that voice of God? That was Jesus. Remember, Jesus came and he was what? Prophet. And when he died for our sins and rose again, he was our priest. And now he is our what? king, prophet, priest, king, Uh, Jesus, our amazing God, man, the God that we worship was all of those things. So again, we're going back to John. We, how do we humble ourselves or how do we make ourselves low? We believe in Jesus and we humble ourselves. We don't, we don't take on any titles for our own sake. We always do what we point back to Jesus as he did. Number three, how can we make ourselves low? Know the word, know the word, know the what? Let's go to John 1, 23. Actually, right before that, finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sin us. What do you say about yourself? They demanded an answer. What did John reply with? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. And you can go back. That's Isaiah uh, 43, a voice. I'm going to read it exactly from Isaiah 43, 43. Verse three, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Yahweh makes straight in the desert, a highway for our God. When really pressed, how does John reply to these people who are coming out inquiring of him? And they're not really like his friends. You know, they're examining him. And when, when he gets squeezed, what comes out? The word of God. How can we become less? The word of God should be on our lips. And the simple question I have for myself all the time, and, I, and I'll extend it to you is, do, am, I, am I in the word enough? Am I saturated with the word enough that when I'm squeezed, that's what comes out? And I can tell you for me, the answer is many times a no. When I get squeezed, frustration comes out or very colorful language. But that's just me. But if we want to be like John, We've got to be saturated in the word. We've got to know the word. So how can we become less so that Jesus has a greater part in our life, that he's greater in our life? Believe in who? Humble and know the Let's go to number four. Proclaim the gospel. John one, let's go to verses 29 and following. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony. And man, I hope you're listening. John said, John the baptizer said, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen son. And then in 40, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I wanna stop there. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. You wanna become less? You want to have Jesus be a greater part of your life? Testify. Proclaim the gospel. John has followers at this point, all right? There's people, they're, they're John's disciples. The so word even calls them that. That's not a bad thing, by the way. I mean, these are pe- he's leading people to God and people are, there's some, some people that are following him. They're hungry for more of that. And he stops them and he sees Jesus and he says, look, the lamb of God. Now, why does he say lamb of God? Y'all know this. He would be our great sacrificial lamb, right? He would be the one that would die for who sins, all of our sins, past, present, and future. And John sees it and knows it, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to give a firsthand account of the Trinity at work. Now, real quick aside, you and I, as Christians, we believe in the Trinitarian God. We believe in one God with three persons. Now, you may come across people who say, uh, the Trinity, sorry to break the bubble, but it's, it's not in the Bible. Well, the word Trinity is not. It comes from a Latin word, Trinitas, that comes from a church father named Tertullian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the Trinity is obviously here. I mean, let's read these verses again real carefully. What did John say? I saw the what come down? I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on And I myself did not own him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, well, who sent him? God, the father, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen him and testify that this is God's chosen one. You can go look at the account in Mark as well. It's very, very succinct, but it talks about how the heavens opened, the Spirit came down, God the Father is talking, God the Spirit is descending on God the Son. We indeed worship one God in three persons. Amen? That's what the Word of God teaches us. And John is testifying. I mean, he stops everybody. Behold the Lamb of God. You want to become less? Testify. Now, let's just be, let's bring this into some, practica- some, some practicality of it. If you start testifying to your coworkers, to your friends and your family, you're going to feel less sometimes. You're going to feel small. They're going to make you out to feel small. You're going to be told this isn't the time or place to do that. You're going to be told, I, I, I know you, all right? I remember when you used to do this. Don't come in with me. Without. You're going to be told all of these things. Take it. Cause you're meant to be what? And he's meant to be what? And no matter what they may tell you, the truth is still penetrating. And you know what? It's not your responsibility to save anybody's life. Did you know that? One of the hardest things I was ever told, and I was told twice by two different people in pretty close proximity. They said, Craig, you're no one and savior. And I was like, well, I could be not spiritually, but I can help some people out. But they were trying to get at me. It's like, that's not your responsibility. Your calling is to let people know who the Savior is. We're just a big neon sign that says, That's the one. That's Him. That's the Savior. You want to become less? You point to Him. You proclaim the truth, the gospel about our chosen, or God's chosen one, our Lamb, our sacrificial Lamb, Jesus incarnate. So, how do we become less and how does He become greater? Believe in who? Humble, know the, proclaim the, yes, proclaim the gospel. And then finally, what are we learning from John in the gospel of John on how we can become less? Finally, find joy in submission. Let's go to chapter three. This is a beautiful passage of what John the Baptist says. We'll start in verse, we'll do 22 and we'll go from there. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Ooh, Jesus is baptizing. Now, John was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and they said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptized and everyone is going to him. You almost sense a a bit of what? Jealousy, frustration. Hey, they were coming to us. Now they're going to him. And listen listen to John's reply. Verse 27, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Meaning that what John was teaching wasn't his anyways. It was given to him. Verse 28, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice, that joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. There's this term called Shoshin, and it's like a, the Hebrew title for best man, but even a more elevated title, okay? And when they were given that responsibility, they were all about the joy of the occasion. And what's interesting is what just happened in chapter two, Daryl will get to this, but what was the first miracle that Jesus performed in the gospel of John? Water into, at a, so this is, in, this is in line. And why did, and again, Daryl will go into this when he gets here, but Jesus continues to allow there to be joy at a joyous occasion, the wedding, all right? A lot of comedians make, a lot, make, make light of this and I'm not gonna go into that, but they totally miss the point. Man, where there is Jesus, there is joy. Maybe not happiness that's built on happenstance, but there is joy. And John the Baptist's whole life is leading up to what? The coming of his Messiah, the chosen one, the Lamb of God, and he has come. And he's like, the friend of the bridegroom, the Shoshin, the best man, he's excited when the groom speaks. He has joy because who is for the groom, the bride? Not the best man. And those of you, if you want to skip ahead to the letters of Paul and relate it to what's being said here, Jesus has come for who? His bride, us. John's not the groom. John's the best man, just sitting there so excited about what's about to happen. There's joy in submission not happiness. I'll be honest with you. Does it feel good to submit to other people? Sometimes, but a lot of times it's, it's against our, our physical nature, isn't it? Our flesh. We don't naturally want to give in to others. We don't naturally want to respect others. Naturally say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into you, but there is a joy in submission to the Lord because it's a reminder. You don't have to have all the answers, you don't have all the authority. You don't have all the power. It's not all on your shoulders. You need to believe in the one who does have the weight of the world on his shoulders and can carry it. Remember, what's he saying in another gospel? His yoke is what? It's easy and light. It doesn't feel like that on you, does it? That yoke weighing you down? But there's joy in submission. There's joy in realizing who he is and who you are not. And John the Baptist, this popular figure that was having people come out into the wilderness, his ministry is coming to an end. We learn in another gospel, in fact, that he's going to be beheaded. He's going to be imprisoned by Herod Antipas and beheaded because of Herod's illegitimate wife, Herodias. What a terrible end, we would think, right? Right? but just like the thief that stood on a cross next to Jesus, what did Jesus tell him? Today you'll be with me where? You think anything less is going to happen to John the Baptist? As his time on this earth began to fade, it was one of joy because the person that he had come to prepare the way for, as he quoted from Isaiah, to be the forerunner for, had come. And his ministry had started. His saving work had started. So his work was no longer needed. And Jesus called him home. God called him home. How amazing is that? And though that is scary for some of us to think of that sort of an end, to think of that sort of being lowered of of humiliation, there is a joy in that submission because we know that this world is not all that there is to come. And that's easier said than done. I know it is. I know it is because we're worried about the here and now. I get it. But either the truth is the truth or we're wasting our time here right now. And the truth is, is that there's a life to come. And so our joy can be submitted to the King because he's reigning now and he reigns forevermore. And so when we're connected with him, we're connected to victory. When we're connected, Him, we're connected to life. And that's actually what the, the theme of chapter three is going to be about. You know, John three sixteen. this comes right after that conversation with Nicodemus. There is salvation in the Lord. So, How do we become less? How can can we elevate Jesus in our life? What were the five things we said? Believe in who? Hopefully you already do. Humble what? And that's a daily routine of remembering that you aren't the man, you aren't the woman. You are there to point. You are there to point to Jesus. Number three, know the word. Know your word. When you're squeezed, what comes out? When you're squeezed, what comes out? Number four, proclaim thee. And then five, it's a difficult one. Find joy, where? In submission. Now here's my challenge. If we look at those five, hopefully you believe in Jesus. I don't know your heart. Uh, Humbling yourself is an attitude. It's, It's a decision that I'm going to make my life about Jesus. My needs are not as important as the needs of his kingdom. Um, Proclaiming the gospel, I hope you do that wherever you go, but I want to focus in on three and five, knowing the word and finding joy in submission, three and five. So here's my challenge. I think it's the next thing, becoming less with our time. Now, this is really for me. I'm just inviting you in on it. I don't have time to go through it, but something recently has happened in my life that has completely turned my world upside down, at least temporarily so. Um, It may go back to normal in a little bit. I don't know, all right? If y'all would pray for me, I would appreciate it. But my time has become a very interesting thing in my life. I, I notice that on some days I have a lot more than I used to. Again, it's probably temporary. And uh, four kids, a beautiful wife, a home, and all this stuff. Yeah, some days there's, it feels like there's no time. But here's my challenge. Number one, if you have U version, do you have U version? Raise your hand if you've got U version on your phone. All right, I'm going to ask you to, to join this reading plan, okay? the gospel of John discovery and reflection guide. Now I was thinking about doing this as like a community thing. So we'd all see each other, but I was like, man, that may be too much, too much. Yeah, too much pressure, too much. I don't know. So we'll see if you want to do that with those around you. But right now, if you'll go uh, at the bottom, you'll go to plans. You can search, search uh, the gospel of John discovery and reflection guide. It's 23 days because there's 21 chapters, all right? The idea is that there's a, a, an intro and a conclusion, but then there's 21 days where each day you read um, a chapter of the gospel of John. And what's cool is the devotion beforehand is not a devotion. It's just three or four questions that will be answered as you read that chapter, all right? So my, my, uh, my first part of my challenge is I want you to add that reading plan, okay? I see a few of you adding it right now on your phone. That's awesome. Find somebody to hold you accountable maybe to that. If, if it's your spouse, a best friend, somebody in your family group, we'll talk about this later. We actually have two family groups. I failed to mention, there's one that meets at Moses and Misty's house, uh, I think every other Thursday, and there's one that meets at our house every other Saturday. We're meeting this Saturday. Uh, Misty, I see you right there. When are y'all meeting again? They're meeting this Thursday. So there you go. You could tell somebody in one of those groups, join one of those groups and say, hey, I'm starting the plan. We're talking about it takes 10 minutes of your day, 10 minutes of your day, Okay. Now, the second part, before I was a teacher, I was a substitute teacher. And then I was a teacher. I'm gonna tell you something. Sometimes I would try to leave so much work for the substitute teacher that they hated having a substitute. So they wanted to see me when I came back as a teacher. Do you ever experience that? All right, well, I'm kind of like substitute preaching right now. So this second part of the challenge, hopefully you'll be like, all right, I can't wait for Daryl to come back. All right, so here's your second, your second challenge. I want you right now to take out your phone. And I'm doing this. I already knew this was coming for me. So I've got four uh, in mind. I want you to delete at least one often used app on your phone that does not promote Christ more in your life. Now, I'm not watching (laughs) you, but I'm going to do this right now. Uh, I've got a game that has consumed way too much time over the last week and a half. So I'm removing that one for sure. And it hurts a lot because I got to a really high level. And it's all going away. <laughs> Isn't that dumb? It feels embarrassing for me to admit that out loud. Yeah, it was. It was really good. I was like at bronze and then silver. And now I'm at gold. But I'm removing it. I'm removing that one too. All right. So I removed three. Uh, I see another one right now that, I okay. I'm going to go and do it with the fourth. Hold on. I'm going to get rid of that one too. It hurts. That one hurts. Uh, and then I've got mm, I've got two more I'll think about. We'll see. But uh, yeah, so this is a practical challenge, okay? Because here's the thing, here's the thing. We, uh, we do a really good job as Christians about talking the truth. We know the truth. We say amen in the right places. And we, we've got some good answers. But when it comes to really doing the practical application, sometimes it's tough. Now, obviously, this is like, this is down here. I mean, we're talking about humbling yourself. We're talking about knowing the word. We're talking about joint submission. And we added a 10 minute reading app and deleted a game off your phone. But even that felt kind of hard, didn't it? And some of you, I don't know who, but in a room this size with this many people, I know there are people like, mm, I'm not doing that. And that's fine. That's totally, that's, that's your call. But again, our basic contention is What? should Jesus be greater in our lives? Yes or no? And you don't have to answer out loud. And it's a basic inverse relationship. You are, you are a limited finite being. You only have so much time, so much energy, so much money. If Jesus is really going to be a greater part of your life, you must become less. You must become less. So I guess the basic question for all of us is, do we want Jesus to be a greater part of our lives? If so, there's lots of things. I mean, I gave you five things from, from the John the baptizer. Believe in Jesus, humble yourself, know the word, proclaim the gospel, find joy and submission. But I mean, we can almost simplify all of that. And that is whatever's in your life, is it promoting Christ or is it promoting you? John the baptizer got to a place where he was done promoting himself, if he ever even did that. He was always proclaiming the truth, always pointing to God. But there was a time when even that part of his ministry diminished because it became all about Jesus. And he found joy in that he was that best man who when he heard the the nuptials of the bride and the groom got excited because it wasn't about him, it was about something else. And I wonder if that's the case for us. So if he's to become greater, our lives, we must become less. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the testimony of John the baptizer, who your word says the greatest born among women. So his example is is a good one. But it also says in your word that he's not even least in the kingdom, meaning that when we now, because of what Jesus has done, when we believe and have your spirit come and be with us, dwell in us, we're a part of something even greater. And I pray that all of us in this room can believe, that we can believe in who Jesus is, that he is God, that he is the word, that he is the son, that he is the lamb that died took away all of our sins when we believe. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to know your word. Help us to proclaim the gospel, the truth about Jesus to our family, our friends, and help us to find joy and submission when we hand it over to you. Help us to become less so that you might be greater. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to give us feedback, uh, you can go to our website, lifewellchurch.com, and you will find uh, on the main page there's a feedback tab, and you can click that. You can fill out that form. Uh, You can give us feedback. You can ask for prayer requests, all sorts of things like that. I hope that you are able to do this. We have a text service uh, that I use to send out information on our church throughout the week, and uh, basically all you need to do is text the word LifeWell from your phone to nine four zero zero zero, and if you do that, it'll drop you into that news text list, and you'll get a couple of those texts uh, from us every week.